I use the phrase, beginners complicate, experts simplify. And so I went on this mission in this year to simplify and listen a lot more. So I actually now only open up a new client appointment with three questions. And here they are. I start with bullet points, past, future, anything else. So how I ask these questions is exactly like this. I'm going to role play a little bit. Mm -hmm. So Michael, I'm so excited that we get this opportunity to hang out today. We've got about an hour for our first yep. session and we're going to be on a journey. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to be climbing a mountain and we're going to help you get to the top. But there's many right ways up the different sides of the mountain. So I want to really learn as much as I can about you. And that will really help individualize and shape this experience to what you need it to be. Mm -hmm. So right off the bat, if you're okay with going into this, I just want to dive into your past a little bit. So fill me in. What do you think is most important around, you know, just your relationship and history with food, with exercise, any big life events that's important for me to know more about? Yeah, just so I can get to know you a little bit better. Welcome to the Strength Connection Podcast, a show to share stories, insights, and experiences in strength physically, mentally, and spiritually. I'm Michael Krukowski, host of the Strength Connection, and I'm so grateful that you can join me today. So in these episodes, I connect with some of the most inspiring and successful individuals to chop it up and learn from true life experiences that have helped them become who they are, the strongest versions of themselves. One of the greatest ways I've always learned the most important lessons is through stories. We all have them and they make us who we are. So let's dive in. Here we go. So today I am joined by Jennifer Brocksterman. Jen is a registered dietitian and sports nutritionist. She's the founder of Prosper Nutrition Coaching, which is a world-class nutrition certification designed specifically for gym owners and coaches. She's also a foods and nutrition university professor, a writer for Precision Nutrition, and owns her own private practice, Nutrition RX. So in this conversation, I dove deep into the evolution of her coaching program when she realized in order to make a deeper impact how she wanted to, she had to ask better questions. So a bunch of wisdom nuggets in this one from Jen. So with that, we're going to get right to it. But before we do, please show your support for the show. Make sure you subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you're listening. And also check out our YouTube channel, The Strength Connection. Your support means everything to me, guys. I sincerely appreciate you. Thank you very much. Let's get on with the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show or welcome to the show if it's your first time. But anyway, thanks for sharing some space with me. Jen Brocksterman, what's up? Thank you so much for taking some time and jumping on today. I've been so excited for us to have this conversation. So thanks for having me on the podcast. Likewise, as, as I was saying beforehand, like when we first chatted a few weeks back of setting this up, I was just like, oh, I can't wait to have Jen on just from the energy that you have, the the work that you've done with Prosper and nutrition mm -hmm. and really the mindset side, you know, I think it's going to be a great, a great chat. So, yeah. um, you know, I gotta, I gotta say it's uh it, and I don't want this to take the wrong way, but anytime I hear somebody in the nutrition space, I'm always like, okay, what is this about? Because it's so easy to be like, oh, this is meal planning and macro talk from here. Mm -hmm. But then from the work that you've done and pivoted from a lot in your, you know, in your journey as well, it's almost so little about actual food that we put in our mouth and so much more about oh the gosh. mindset side of it, where the word is nutrition. But it's just so much deeper than that. And every time I hear that, I was like, okay, I want to get to know more uh, about this, you know, with talk with people like Jason Phillips, with John Berardi, and you're right in that same category with those people. So I'm really excited to just dive into this and we'll probably go in a bunch of different directions. But to kick this off, I always love to hear kind of the superhero backstory of the origins of how did this all start? So what was your first real inspirations into health and fitness? Was it family? Was it athletics early on? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So this actually started as a very bumpy ride for me. And it, it actually started with a traumatic incident inside my family. So on Thanksgiving Sunday, my dad had a heart attack playing hockey on the ice. So he went limp, his buddies threw him in the car. They didn't have time to wait for an ambulance, rushed him to the hospital, really did think he wasn't going to make it. So he had a blockage in a part of his heart called the Widowmaker. And statistically, a lot of people don't survive that type yeah. of a heart attack. So my mom gets the phone call of like, come down to the hospital, bring the kids. You don't have a lot of time. You need to come say goodbye. So I got piled into the car with my mom and my two younger siblings and literally thought that was the last day I was going to have my dad in my life. Oh my now, gosh. thankfully, mm -hmm. he did pull through. My dad's still with us today. He's healthy, doing great. And I don't know what possessed my 16-year-old brain to go there, but instantly I went upstream and was like, what's in my direct control? 
that's going to support my dad to come through to the other side. And in my, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm mm -hmm. not, I don't, I'm not a dietitian yet, but you know what? I can help influence our home food environment. So mm -hmm. I can cut up vegetables and put them in the fridge for my dad. I can help pack a lunch because he was one of those he wasn't super overweight, but just a super stressed out, busy stockbroker, got up, caffeinated yep. himself, went off to work, didn't really eat, not intentionally intermittent fasting, busyness, distraction, not packing enough food, under underfed during the day. Mm -hmm. And then of course he would eat too quickly at dinner, eat too much at dinner and snack through the evening. Just someone that wasn't mm -hmm. really thinking about, you know, his nutrition. Yeah. Really active guy. But the food part wasn't supporting the job stress and the physical activity. And so then I just went so deep down the rabbit hole of what can I teach myself about nutrition? And I had some incredible role models around me. So as a, I was a huge nerd and I'm going to nerd out a lot on this podcast. Please, I love you. it. Let's like do my, it. My love of learning, <laughs> my hunger to keep like getting better. Let's go. Let's and, go deep and, down the hole. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're, we're going to go there. And so I had a part-time job as a high school student working at a sports medicine clinic. So I got to be around doctors and physios and massage therapists and registered dietitians, all working to optimize human performance. Cause I really loved being an athlete and being around the athletic population. And so the dietitian, I just befriended when I was a, you know, administrative assistant at this clinic. And she really took me under her wing and taught me about a healthy relationship with food. That's like anti-disordered eating, how to use food as medicine and really look upstream. But also she didn't talk about it like macros and meal plans. She looked at food a lot more holistically. Mm -hmm. And I think that gave my early roots into, wow, there's a lot more to food than just telling people what to eat. It's the where we eat, the why we eat, the how we eat, the cultural factors, the stress, the way we you know manage our stress with or without food and alcohol. And so I just, from a young age, started to look at food as a much more holistic part of a bigger picture of self-care. Mm -hmm. And that's where I wanted to bring more mindset components to it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that that's really my origin story is it started on an awful Sunday morning phone call on Thanksgiving, you know, when it I was 16 years old. It is. That's, you know, it's weird that that Widowmaker is something that it doesn't show up on like normal, just scans when you're going nope. in, uh, you know, my first year of uh, being in health and fitness I had a 35 year old man collapse on the treadmill from the Widowmaker. Went under, went under for 11 minutes, flatline, came out with no brain and came out with no wow. brain injury, nothing from there. CPR, yeah. CPR does real wonders from there. So it was amazing. I'll, I'll never forget that day, but 35 years old, just 95% yep. blockage in here. So it's amazing. But yeah, I mean, you really, I mean, you flip that out into, okay, I'm going to do something about this. It's almost like a mm -hmm. purpose specifically at 16. It's interesting. That's that experience in sports med seemed like it had a really good impact because sometimes you can go in and almost, if you don't have good mentors at that time, it can be a little, yeah. it can be a little demoralizing at that time. It seems like it was a perfect experience for you. Oh, I was so lucky. I just knew I loved science. Mm -hmm. I loved helping people and I loved like optimal health. So I knew as a dietitian, I didn't want to do disease state medicine, which is what a lot of dietetics actually trains registered dietitians to do is how do you feed someone that's on dialysis? How do you, you know, right. help someone that has type one diabetes or whatever the case may be. And I just thought if I can really use my nerdiness and my love of learning to influence a large amount of people to have a happy, healthy relationship with food, because yeah, I did struggle with disordered eating for a while in my teenage years because it was like, I probably took it too far because again, I didn't have full control over my dad's situation. And so being hypervigilant about what I was eating was a way I was sort of grieving and expressing some mm -hmm. control. And then also recognizing that I was taking it too far and then empath empathetically working through the steps of recovery from disordered eating, I think makes me a much better nutrition coach today. Mm -hmm. And I'm also very careful with the way I talk about nutrition on podcasts with my clients because we can accidentally plant little seeds, us as like influencers or people yeah. in the space that do have followers if we're not careful about our messaging around food. Yeah. What was your family's response to you getting all this information? And I'm sure you were going home and trying to implement these things right away. Yeah. How was how that received? 
it was actually received really well. Like I think at the time I, I'm the oldest kid of three okay. mm-hmm. and my mom was sort of like, Oh, this is like an oldest kid behavior, right? Like she's trying to help take care of like the younger ones. So my mom could like focus on my dad, you know, my brother and I are six years apart. So he was like really little, like he was only mm-hmm. 10 years old when it happened. And then I just wanted to be helpful. So I was like, I'll go get the groceries. Like mom and dad, you guys are stressed. I just got my driver's license. This is an opportunity for me to I mm-hmm. think I wanted any excuse to like drive the family car. I remember those days. So, yeah, exactly. I I'll like, do it. I'll go get the groceries. <laughs> so I was like, I I'll pick up grandma. Coffee. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. So it was a little bit of like growing up into an adult and getting that independence and freedom. But for me, I was just, I remember being so scared that like it was touch and go if my dad was going to make it. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, this is my only chance to throw everything I have to keep this person in my life. And so it wasn't something I wanted to like shrink away from. It was something I wanted to lean into probably from a fear response, but that was, that's what would have happened under the pressure. So did you feel that coaching was going to be your path early on there? Or did that come later down the line? Yeah. I always love like being a mentor and I, maybe I've been so lucky to have good mentors. Mm. So I was a athlete growing up in all different sports, but any opportunity I have to be like, be a coach of the younger kids. I was like, I'll, I'll be an assistant coach for the, you know, I'm in the senior group, but I'll be an assistant coach to the Mm -hmm. junior group or, you know, anywhere that I could just lead and inspire. I've always loved leadership positions. And so I just very like not calculated is maybe the wrong word, but leaning into my strengths when I was evaluating, what do I want to go to school for? If I'm going to go study something, I'm Mm -hmm. like, I want to help people. It needs to involve science and learning and just something that I can make the world healthier. Those things are what my soul lights on fire to get up and do every morning. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of interviewed some of the different um, positions at the clinic. And I was like, can I do a, like a career interview with you as a sports doctor, sports medicine doctor? I'm curious, what's a day in the life of a sports medicine doctor? Hey, physiotherapist, what's a day mm-hmm. in the life of a physiotherapist? Hey, dietitian, like what's a day in the life of your job? So I like, again, a huge nerd, but I like, I have these notes still in a binder and I didn't have the heart to throw them out because I think they're so adorable. Oh, absolutely. Like 17 year old me has these notes of interviewing the people I worked with. So I could try to match what profession I thought would be a good fit before I like put all my eggs into financially investing and studying this at, you know, higher education. That's a hell of a, that was a hell of a, a wide perspective for a 17 year old at that time. Yeah. It was like, okay, these are the strength. This is what I know I want to do. How do I cultivate this and bring this together? I was just thinking, cause when I've talked with so many coaches before, I think the one thing, if there's a commonality of everybody is their people, 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 they want to yeah. help. They want to work with people on the science side of it though. It could be very non people business of like, you're mm-hmm. going into so much of this, the science and the detail and it's good. I think it's important, but working those both together is gym owner and, mm-hmm. you know, coach for a long time, we made a pact and together as a couple, we call it interesting curiosities. And so every year or a couple of years, we challenge ourselves to learn a completely new skill where we have to go get a coach to teach us something. So we taught ourselves how to unicycle because we wanted to be in a complete beginner's mindset of being totally uncoordinated. And then Mm -hmm. we're like watching YouTube tutorials on like how to slowly gain balance. And so like I can unicycle, which is kind of random. And then we we really wanted to learn how to surf. So we went out to Tofino, BC. I also taught myself how to ride, like went through motorcycle training. So I learned how to ride a motorcycle with a coach. And then we wanted to like rip around on motorcycles on Vancouver Island and go surfing in Tofino. And again, we got a coach to help us surf and mm-hmm. we got off on the surfboards and we're like riding waves in so much faster. I just recently went to motorcycle race school a couple of weeks ago, which was so exhilarating. <laughs> but again, it puts you into the beginner's headspace of like, I need to listen to someone more experienced and pick up on the cues. And also you can learn from different coaches. Like, are they bombarding me with too much or are they just picking the next right mm. cue and then letting me figure out that step before they add the next staircase the next year in the staircase yeah so i think constantly a lot of people kind of get their education done they may take some certifications but they stop putting themselves in a completely beginner's headspace yeah and i think that's a huge part of why i've become a much better coach is i regularly go into uncomfortable situations where i am a total beginner and i'm starting yeah. all over and figuring something new out that's so interesting i think the 
what you said there about the beginner's mindset, it mm-hmm. it's important it's important to put yourself in that for I think the easy one to realize the benefit of that is you're learning a new skill and you're putting yourself in that, okay, I don't know this, so I need to learn this and then right. apply it. But on the other side, as you were speaking there, you're also learning from another coach who might have a different way mm-hmm. that they put their information and their knowledge base out. You know, it's like, yeah. I, I, I was seeing something the other day about someone was teaching someone how to do archery. And the way this guy was talking about archery and the analogies he was using, I was like, wow, that is phenomenal. Like yeah. that is like, that's so great. And it's, it might be something completely different than what you do as far as a skill set that you teach, but coaches can teach so much just about how to create an analogy or create a way to bring that information together. I didn't think yeah. of it as the benefit of that as much too. I think that's mm-hmm. a really important piece to, you know, in the beginner mindset, not just to build your own skill, but to learn from other coaches. And I'm studying them like a curious little sponge. Like what can mm-hmm. I suck up from this, this different coach in this totally different field that there's interesting parallels that might come back to, and make my own business a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And then it's just that idea of Kaizen, right? That 1% better yeah. anywhere I can add a 1% improvement. And I get so much inspir- inspiration from, I call them the interesting curiosities we pursue mm-hmm. because you just in a different niche, a different industry, you're looking at it completely with fresh eyes. Where if I only say, try to learn from other nutrition coaches, which is important. And I've mm-hmm. been so lucky to be like mentored by John Berardi, for example, yeah. or, you know, go on walks with Molly from Girls Gone Strong and having like great little desert hikes and talking about, mm-hmm. you know, nutrition and certifications and things like that. So nice to talk to people in the same industry, but so interesting to learn from other industries as well. Yeah. Yeah. So your early days of being in the coaching field, you know, I know, cause I'm sure you've evolved over many years of doing this, you know, into who you oh, are yeah. today. What were the early days? Like, I know you had a CrossFit affiliate for a bit mm-hmm. and then nutrition coaching, I believe I've heard you say it was, you were very, the, the meal plan macro person, you oh, know, from I there, was. which, and if you're only listening to this, there was a shriek and just that hands in the face moment right there. Yeah of it. So what was, what was the early days like? And when was it when you pivoted and realized, okay, there's much more to this than what I'm giving into it right now? Okay. So you know, the memes, if I'm going to just paint a visual picture for you guys listening, that's like, this is what my mom thinks I do. This is what my, you know, my teacher thinks I do. This is what society thinks I do. This is what my clients think I do. This is what I think I do. I thought the role of a nutrition coach is to be the knowledgeable source tell your client exactly what to eat, break it down into this is what your plate should look like. These are your macro percents I want you to hit. These are about the right amount of calories for your body. Here is a meal plan to give you some guidance. Now go home and follow what I taught you because what I'm teaching you is going to get you to your goals. So very didactic. I thought I had to have all the answers and tell people how to eat. And so you're probably picking up on my energy. I'm positive. I'm encouraging. You know, I love science. And I just thought like, okay, I'm going to cheerlead you, like go, we'll, we'll give you the right information and I'm going to be so positive in the delivery. That works and then has a very quick expiry date. It's like milk, like maybe even lo- a bit longer than milk, but not much. Mm-hmm. It's about three to six mo- months of a shelf life of that kind of coaching. So any coach who coaches meal plans, macros, numbers based, or just telling people what to do, if you're being really honest with yourself, you'll notice that you keep people engaged, 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 and then they just drop right off. They suddenly don't want to come to their meetings anymore because they're like, well, you're going to ask the same questions. What are the bright spots? You know, what went well? What am I struggling with? What are the next action steps? It's very boring at a certain point. And then after you've sort of gone through like, these are fats, these are carbs, these are proteins, let's get more veggies in. You're, you're kind of like, I'm out of material. Like, Okay, we've talked mm. about alcohol. Okay, we've talked about stress. What else yeah. am I supposed to teach you? And then you're frustrated at your clients because you're like, well, gosh, I've taught you everything. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you doing it? But remember my comment from earlier, really we're not food you know, educators. We are behavior change facilitators. Mm-hmm. So a very happy accident. And I used to teach at a university as a foods and nutrition prof. And I believe all little breadcrumbs kind of connect to the story of like becoming a better. And I bumped into a colleague in the hallway and her research was in the subject of motivational interviewing. I had no idea what those words meant. I was like, like you, you motivate them. Like, are you in the science of like how to motivate? And she's like, 
No, the name's a bit misleading. Motivational interviewing is about asking powerful questions and being more like a road trip buddy who's helping navigate with the map, but the, ultimately the client is the one in the driver's seat. They pick the, pick the destination, they pick the speed, they pick the, you know, the stops they want to mm-hmm. sightsee and go you know, take little detours on. And your job is just to just help them figure out what their goals are, why it's important to them, what are they willing to do, what aren't they willing to do, which I had never thought of that. I was like, no, you hired me to get this result. You should be willing to do right. whatever I tell you to do. No, it doesn't really work like that. And so I enrolled in this level one motivational interviewing certification. It terrified me because it meant I had to almost burn to the ground everything I was currently doing. And I gave myself a one year um, experiment. So Jen coming into this course was like, like a university prof. I had a little nutrition curriculum. In meeting one, we're going to go through these handouts. We're going to talk about this topic. In meeting two, we're going to go through these resources and educate you on this topic. And just like I was moving my university students through their textbook curriculum for the final exam, I thought that's what a nutrition coach should do with a client, is move them through the education curriculum of healthier eating so I could get them to their end result. Mm. But I wasn't always successful in getting my clients there. So when I left the motivational interviewing conference and had my certification, basically I was left with just a long list of questions, not answers, questions, Mm -hmm. powerful questions I could ask to open people up, get them exploring their inner, you know, their inner narrative and what was going on in their head, in their heart, in their, you know, in their lives, and then just be more of a sounding board. So I had to challenge myself to talk way less. Say pre-certification, I was maybe talking 60 to 70% of the appointment and the client had 30, 40% of the time. And what I challenged myself to do was reverse it. Mm-hmm. Talk 30% or less and listen 70% or more. And then my other challenge was to not go, this is the next resource. This is the next piece of education. I'm going to open up a discussion and ask some questions with you. And then it's going to ebb and flow much more organically on the topics you, the client, need to work on and need support through. I was so scared. All my clients were going to quit on me. And it was just, and, but I was like, I asked myself a Tim Ferriss question. What's the worst case scenario and how hard would it be to get back here? So at the time, coincidentally, I was reading the four hour work week. Mm-hmm. And one of his questions is what's the worst case scenario. Okay. All my clients quit and they absolutely hate that. I'm not telling them what to do and how quickly could I get back to what I was doing before? I have all my resources. I could just flip a switch and go back to like mm-hmm. the meal plan macro gen nutrition coach. But what unfolded blew my mind. So if I had a revenue you know, graph of what was happening in my business, that year it hockey sticked up. It just inflected. And all of a sudden I was like doubling how much money I was making every month. I had so many word of mouth referrals. I was booking four or five months out. Mm-hmm. That was the year I had to hire my first assist, like coach to come mm-hmm. on my team because I had more business than I knew what to do with. Google reviews were through the roof. And then weirdly, my Kleenex budget like quadrupled. So people were like crying in my office and <laughs> going really deep. Mm-hmm. And so I always say in my certification, yeah. tears show you that you're talking about something important. Tears show you that you've hit a nerve about something someone really cares about. Mm -hmm. Tears are great. Don't be afraid of tears. And so suddenly people were just telling me about miscarriages that were then affecting them, binge eating and stress eating. And they felt so much shame because they had three miscarriages Mm -hmm. and they thought it was their fault. But then now they're shamed because they can't get out of this like stress eating spiral. And that brought more shame and more binging. I had people share things about the conflict in their marriage and should I stay? Mm -hmm. Should I not stay? Like things you wouldn't think you'd be talking about as a nutrition coach. Like I'm not a marriage counselor. I'm not a fertility counselor, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't about the food. And so when I got them talking about the real issues, we could look at how food was being used maybe to self-manage tough emotions. And then I started to get a vocabulary of talking about foods and feelings and how they're connected and how we can, Notice the name of feeling, but not have food or alcohol be the self-soothing tool. And then like a general contractor, I started adding all these different tools to my tool belt. I'm like, I've got a really good game we could play. I've got a really good metaphor. I've got a really good story I'd like to tell you. And then I would, you know, introduce a tool or a metaphor or a game and it would shift their perspective. And they'd be like, huh, I never thought of it like that before. 
And I can share one if you want as a fun, a fun example on our podcast today. Sure. sure. Before okay. you do, I, before you do, I want to bring you back. You said that you were so scared of going in and doing this. What was, right. what was the fear that uh, you were, was it an identity thing of like, I've built a system already before and it's almost like you're just holding on to something because yeah. there's some comfort to it. What was that about? Can you dive a little deeper into that? Yeah. So it's a little bit of a security blanket of like, I worked so hard to build this curriculum and all these resources that hit at the right time. But I think the real fear was I had never heard of it. I had no examples of success around me. I was just trusting this researcher who was really early in the motivational interviewing space going, trust us coach this way, give up your didactic coaching, try this more open-ended, ask questions, let the client lead. And I just didn't know if it would succeed because I had no examples of success. I didn't know mm. anyone in the nutrition coaching space at the time who was coaching like that. So I'll, I felt like I was just going rogue. And I was like, okay, I'm trusting like one person. And I've seen no examples of this in my local community. When I talk to other dietitians, when I talk to personal trainers who do nutrition coaching, Everyone kind of does the same thing, yeah. macros, meal plans. I'm going to sort of tell you what to do and, you know, set the agenda of your goals. Uh -huh. And I was like, I guess I'm just going to kind of beat my, like carve my own path and uh, go to the drum, you know, go to the beat of my own drum. Yeah. And I just, I really thought clients might get mad at me because they're like, I paid you for you to tell mm -hmm. me what to do to get to my, you know, get to my right. results. And I was like, I'm, I'm not doing that. But I didn't realize I was just in a more effective and different right. way. Yeah, that's it's, where uh, I think the fear was. It, it's amazing how we create imaginary arguments with people who don't even yes. know that we're arguing with them in our mind, <laughs> just from our limited beliefs, right? And you know, it's interesting because I I think it's an important point, Jen, that you put up because you know I assume probably like you were doing decent at that time, things were probably okay, and to make yeah. a shift like that, how easily we can stay within we're comfortable in this zone. It's like, I heard this thing, I think it's called the region beta, para, uh, beta paradox, where okay. if you, if you travel, if the travel like less than one mile to get there, you would walk it. And if it's more than a mile, you would drive it. So essentially you would go twice the distance and half the time just by driving. And the mm. point behind it is that you might be living in a life, maybe it's a job that you have and you're really not happy, but it's not that bad. Your boss is okay. He's a nice guy, or you're in a relationship and you know, it's, it's not great. It's not perfect, but you know, they're a good person, you know, they're not abusive or anything like that. So it's just this like almost comfortably numb. Like I call it like the being fine position where yes. all of a sudden how easy it is to just live so mediocre and be fine. Yeah. And to actually step out of that into something where, yeah, you'll probably go along and you'll be able to plot along and be okay. Realizing though, like, oh shit, if I blow this all up, I might lose my comfort, but I might actually get exactly what I'm looking for and what I really want to do. Yeah. And I think a lot of clients that we're working with, people on the beginning steps of the journey are in that mindset a bit. And it takes some powerful questions just to open that up. And they realize, oh shit, like I'm really not okay. Like I'm living like this kind of comfortably numb life. So just having these questions out, I'm sure you probably threw some of these questions at yourself, you know, of going yeah. in here as going in. I think it's, it's a powerful message just to, to put out, not just for coaches, but the clients that we're working with. And you know what, one of the things that really helped, and it's a game I started to make up with my own nutrition clients, is I call it the opposites game. So you always hear about like, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So I have clients that try to eat perfectly clean, you know, all the time, and then they blow it up Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they go, you know, crazy and binge eat. And then they're like, Oh, I'm so bad. Monday, I'm going right. to start again. And they've been doing that two years, five years, 10 years plus. And so I'll sometimes go like, okay, what's the opposite of what you're doing? Like, what if you had a treat every single day of the work week, which sounds so crazy and radical to introduce that? Or like, what is the opposite of what you're doing right now? Maybe we can bring in elements of the opposite way of thinking and just, just be like curious scientists and sort of see, try and experiment. We don't have to follow it forever, but we're just going to collect clues and data. So the opposite of what I was doing is I need to have all the answers. I'm going to lead you on this very program curriculum. I'm going to tell you exactly what I want you to do after each session. Mm -hmm. And you're just going to go home and listen to me. And I was like, what if I 
don't tell them what to do? What if I only ask questions and have them come up with the answers, not me come up with answers? Mm-hmm. What if like they're in charge and I'm not the one in charge? And so I just was like, what's the opposite of what I'm doing right now? And let's just try and experiment and see how that goes. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a really like unnerving way to sort of flip my practice completely upside down. But then I looked at the data and my revenue, my word of mouth referrals, my wait list times, just like that was the inflection point. Mm-hmm. And basically I doubled my business in that year, which was astounding because I was doing great at the time. And I was like, now I'm doing beyond great. Like this is just like, I'm living my dream life all of a sudden. How did I get here? Because yeah. I did the opposite of what I was coaching originally. Yeah. So can you put a little bit of this into practice as far as some of the questions that you learned and started asking that were a bit different from the, be- from sure. the beginning? Yeah. So right off the bat, the initial assessment, I'll start there. Cause mm-hmm. I think a lot of coaches get this wrong now that I'm a more experienced mm-hmm. coach. The old gen came in with what I call the clipboard method or the bad job interview. So I had about five to 10 questions that were like my go-to questions. Cause I was like, look at me and being so client centered. So tell me more about yourself. Uh, do you drink alcohol? Do you live with anyone? Do you like to cook? Who does the grocery shopping? What supplements do you take? And I'm like, look at, I'm being so client centered. I'm learning all about yeah. them. Now I use the phrase beginners complicate experts simplify. And so I went on this mission in this year to simplify and listen a lot more. So I actually now only open up a new client appointment with three questions. And here they are. I start with bullet points, past, future, anything else. So how I ask these questions is exactly like this. I'm going to role play a little bit. Mm -hmm. So Michael, I'm so excited that we get this opportunity to hang out today. We've got about an hour for our first session and we're going to be on a journey. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to be climbing a mountain and we're going to help you get to the top, but there's many right ways up the different sides of the mountain. So I want to really learn as much as I can about you. And that will really help individualize and shape this experience to what you need it to be. Mm -hmm. So right off the bat, if you're okay with going into this, I just want to dive into your past a little bit. So fill me in. What do you think is most important around, you know, just your relationship and history with food, with exercise, any big life events that's important for me to know more about? Yeah. Just so I can get to know you a little bit better. Okay. Yeah. No, I th- talking. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, they'll say that sometimes it's, yeah, I feel like I do great. I know what to do. I just don't do it all the time. My right. friend, my friends bring me out on the weekends and it was my birthday last weekend. So I wanted to go out and it was great, but I felt bad after. And I know that's bad to do and yep. so on and so forth. And so you're just as a coach, you're listening for all the clues. They mm-hmm. might go into their childhood nutrition and talk about how their parent, they were a really picky eater, or they might go into that they struggled with disordered eating, or they might tell you, I've had people mm-hmm. tell me off that question about miscarriages. I don't have a clipboard question to ask someone if they've miscarried. Mm-hmm. But if I create a safe space that's just like curious and supportive, they also get to reveal as much or as little as they like. And then you'll see why my third question, anything else, is like it comes back to this first sure. question. Mm-hmm. So there's a natural, they, they start to go in. It could be five yeah. minutes. It could be 15 minutes. Sometimes I have people spend the whole 60 minutes only answering the past question. And I do not cut them off and go, oh, 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 I have stuff to teach you. I just kind of monitor the time. And at the end of the appointment, I go, I can't believe how much time has flown flown by. This has been so helpful. All of this background context, I needed to know that about you for this to shape what we're going to do working together. So what I want to actually suggest is why don't we book a part two of this initial assessment? We'll get that booked within the next week and let's pick up right where we left off. I'm Mm -hmm. so glad you've really been vulnerable and opened up with me and you haven't left anything out because some coaches, when they realize that question really gets people talking, they start to panic and they're like, I'm not going to get through what I'm supposed to get through. Right. There's no rules around what you're supposed to get through. This is a long journey. And if they feel like they need to to say all of that, and let me flip it for you Mm -hmm. guys listening, for you being in the client seat, Mm -hmm. have you ever had a medical appointment, say with a doctor, and you know your body best, you know the history, what's going on, and you want to tell them, and you're like, but let me just, and they're just like, not really asking you questions and like, hey, this is your script. This is what you're going to do. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah. But you're like, you have to hear my context for you to properly diagnose me. Do you ever want to leave a five-star Google review? after an experience where you're not listened to, do you think you want to refer your friends and family to a physician that like brushes you off and wants to get you out of there? 
Do you want to bring other people into that circle where you just got talked at the whole time and you couldn't express yourself and have the floor? That doesn't make people feel good. But when people are seen and heard and mm-hmm. valued and respected, what you actually are doing as a coach in the first appointment is it's not about what you're going to try to educate them in that first appointment. It's the rapport and the relationship. And they trust that they've got an awesome mountain guide who's gone up that mountain so many times mm-hmm. and is going to help them successfully get there. And it starts by listening, not by teaching and talking. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm having like, I feel like early <laughs> career flashbacks of going into appointments and I would like have my clipboard and I would look up and then I would go down and I'd write and yes. I'd look back up and I was like, oh my God, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, this yes. Is, and you, you kind of, method. you kind of know something's off. It's like, I don't think this is the right way to do it or so. And then the person in there, that's one of the things I think it's like, it's one of the most uncomfortable feelings when you really are looking for some guidance of something mm-hmm. and you want help. And the person that you have such high hopes for, you know, is not listening. As soon as that happens one time, like you yeah. just shut, you just shut down. You're already thinking about something else. That's totally. going on. Yeah. But I like what you said when, before, before you went into this type of work, were you, were you always very constant of like, I need to get all this done in like my 45 minute assessment so I can pitch them at the end and kind of make sure that I close it out or, you know, present at that moment. I, you know, I was a typical type A student. Yeah. You have a list, you got to get through your checklist and you want to make sure everything's accomplished. And then my husband is not type A at all. And he really like our mix of him being the CrossFit side and me being the nutrition coach side. He just was like, Jen, most of the rules in life are made up. So as soon as you realize most of the rules aren't actually real, I mean, be a good human. Don't go like do yeah. crazy things and kill people and like run yeah. through red lights. But most of the invisible rules, kind of like the invisible arguments they're just invisible chains we've put on ourselves. So the only person who thinks this, this, this is supposed to be accomplished by the end of the meeting is in my brain and me. The client has signed up for an experience. They've signed up for a result. They didn't sign up to receive XYZ resource in a certain appointment. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I like release those parameters of like, this is what I'm supposed to get through, there's no supposed to's. It's yeah. just what is in that moment connecting with another human being. Yeah. How quickly we just throw expectations on things of what this is, what's supposed to happen at the time. I remember hearing a great relationship coach talk about this is like, if you go out expecting to find the love of your life, you're going to be so tense with every person you talk to Mm -hmm. versus like, just go out and say, I'm going to have the most fun night ever. I'm going to talk to everybody and just be a good person. And then all of a sudden that's where if there's any real law of attraction at all, that's like real. I think that's where it comes in, where it's like, you're just being open. And then all of a sudden, just the good stuff just kind yeah. of rolls and comes. It is, it's a, it's a hard thing to like, it's great in theory to learn, but to really put it into practice does take some time. And it can be very nerve wracking because you want to get to that person. You want the new client and the client wants to find solutions, right? Of like, just mm-hmm. tell me what to do. And yeah, I've been on this journey a lot, Jen, of like intuitive training and really understanding that side of it, that structure versus intuition. And I've had a lot yeah. of debates and a lot of conversations with people about how much do you need of both? And yeah. it's hard because it's, I hate the word, it depends, but it really is kind of like everybody's in that mode. It's like, yeah, you sometimes yeah. you do need a bit of that structure, but eventually if you want to have like that full fulfillment of total life joy, all these other things are tool training, nutrition, Mm -hmm. like they're all pieces to what we're trying to do to create joy. So sometimes you need a little deeper structure, but eventually you need to find your own way and to learn it. And that seems like this was kind of a similar path with you of like, all right, I'm going to try and just help people find their own voice and find their own path within this. And then all of a sudden the results just came up. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing I'm like another breadcrumb in this journey that was so helpful is when I was a university prof, I was given two really opposite courses. I was given the first year foods and nutrition intro course Mm -hmm. for anyone that was a non-science major. So I basically had to teach the art students and the people that needed a science elective nutrition. So I had to figure out a way to make it interesting, fun, simple, fun analogies. And I'm so grateful I was assigned that course because it really taught me to not talk over someone and bring it to, not that the students were dumb at all. I'm not implying that. Just how to simplify in an engaging, effective way. 
And then at the same time, I was given an advanced third year sports nutrition, nutrition for optimal like athletic performance, Mm -hmm. which is like so granular. You're into the nitty gritty. You're into the mitochondrial energy structures. You know, you're looking at optimal nutrition timing through a race. And so that taught me how to like research and really understand the bits and pieces and how it all builds into sort of like optimal. But for most people, they don't need that level way, way up there. In fact, it's the fundamentals done well. And I think teaching that first year course completely changed my communication style. I went from, you know, this very like bookish kind of dietitian to like, okay, this is a bit of a, not a performance, but like, I need to make this fun. I need to keep you engaged. And so I started making up games and metaphors and stories. Cause I found when I story told to my students or the students that maybe had only gone to grade 11, you know, science, and they didn't take all the advanced sciences because they wanted to be an art student and they completely forgot about Krebs cycle or didn't know what Krebs cycle was. Mm-hmm. I was like, how's a fun, what is a fun way that I can teach this? Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll give you maybe like two quick examples if you've sure. got some time. So one of my favorites is I call it the toothbrush analogy for nutrition behavior change. So I'm going to ask you a really quick question and I'm going to put you on the spot if you're okay with that. Love it. Let's do it. <laughs> Did you brush your teeth last night? Yes. Okay. Me too. Now I'm going to out myself and I'm going to ask you the same question. Has there been like a night in the last year you just went to bed, you were tired, you didn't brush your teeth? Do you ever once in a while miss it? And if you're a perfect impeccable toothbrusher, then I'm going to use flossing instead for my question. Have you okay. ever missed brushing or flossing your teeth? I have never missed brushing. Okay. Yes, my, my father's a dentist. Shout out, dad. I am doing it every yeah. day still. I, <laughs> I have missed flossing. Yes. Okay, perfect. So most of us mere mortals miss one of those mm-hmm. every once in a while. So to imagine tonight, you know, we're filming this podcast on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Heaven forbid tonight you don't brush your teeth. Mm-hmm. Would you call your dad or call your dentist in a panic and be like, you must get me in for an emergency cleaning? Would you re- at all react like that on Friday morning? No, not at this moment. No. Yeah. <laughs> Would you go screw it? Well, I guess since I didn't brush my teeth, this whole weekend's a write-off. But Monday, Monday's the day I'm going to get back to brushing my teeth and just throw mm-hmm. it all in the toilet because you were like bad once. Would you do that? No, I'd skip right back to it in the morning. Yeah. That's the perfect answer is you just don't skip a beat. You don't over dramatize it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, next soonest opportunity, Friday morning. What am I going to do? I'm going to brush my teeth. The habit is so strong. It's like a seatbelt. It's what you just do without thinking. But I want to talk about an invisible force. There's two invisible Mm -hmm. things connected to your success. The layer underneath our habits is what I call the environment layer. So if you, if I were to wage a million dollar bet, I bet I could predict where I'm going to find your toothbrush and toothpaste. If I beeline to your master bathroom, it's either on the counter or it's in a medicine cabinet. Am I correct in predicting where your toothbrush and toothpaste is located? Yep. It's right in the counter, right? Mm -hmm. It's not in the attic. It's not in the glove box of your car. It's not tucked into a gym shoe. So because you set up your environment to make the healthy choice, the easy choice, it's really easy to be consistent. Mm -hmm. And then the deeper layer, so we have habits, we have environment, and then the deepest layer is mindset. Notice your self-talk dialogue. So most people don't think about their self-talk dialogue with nutrition. You miss brushing your teeth. Your first answer was, it's no big deal. I'll do it the next morning. Mm -hmm. You don't call yourself names. You don't shame yourself and call yourself a bad person. You don't go onto like internet support groups, Googling, should I have like, a bamboo toothbrush versus a plastic versus an electric. Mm -hmm. You don't start to research. You just do those reps. You just get right back into action. Like we talked about athletes. The bookish part is wanting to learn. The athlete part is just like, let's do, let's get reps. Mm -hmm. And so this leads into my second metaphor or my second game. And I call it the three voices game. And whenever I work with a client, I have three words actually like framed on the wall. And it says, be curious be kind, be honest. And so when I talk about these three voices, they're like three little like fairies floating around. One voice is the inner bully. One voice is the curious detective. And the final voice is our wise guide, not wise guy, but like Mm -hmm. a wise guide, a wise mentor. Mm -hmm. So the nice thing is we can do two against one. The bully name calls, judges you, shames you, makes you feel bad. If we get really academic And the research on shame shows that bullying and self-judgment and shame Mm -hmm. negatively impacts behavior change, negatively impacts getting to your goals. So 
So we want to, if we recognize the bullies being mean, we want to quiet that volume dial down. Then we're going to bring in our two allies, the detective and the guide. Mm -hmm. The detective is the curious one. It just walks around with a notepad and it's just trying to make observations. It notices the names. Huh, when I don't pack a lunch and Sandra brings baked goods to the break room, at two o'clock, I'm into her cookies because I'm really hungry mm -hmm. from not packing a lunch. Huh, when I don't get enough sleep and I watch Netflix till midnight, it's really hard to get up at 5.45 to go to the gym for 6.30. So you're not judging, you're just noticing, oh, when I drink water and have a water glass beside me all day, I have really good energy and I feel really great. So the detective is just collecting notes on like, this mm -hmm. is how life is right now. And then what it can do is that it can either give the notepad to the bully, who's just going to beat you up and that accomplishes nothing. Or the detective can give the notepad over to the wise guide and go, okay, wise guide, you have my best intentions at heart. What do you think, what changes need to be made? What do you think the next action step is based on these patterns that I've just picked up? And so now you can be solution oriented in your problem solving to repetitive patterns that aren't solving you. Because one, you've identified the pattern You've named it, you've noticed mm -hmm. it, you're aware of it because you can't change something you're not aware of. And then two, you can come at it much more productively going, okay, what in my environment, what in my mindset, what in my habits, what in my setup do I have full control over to make the healthier choice, the easier choice mm -hmm. for myself. But if you just go and yell at yourself and beat yourself up, you're actually worse off because you feel dejected, deflated yeah. and exhausted that nothing's getting better. So those are two of my favorite coaching guides is mm -hmm. to talk about the toothbrush metaphor of like the soonest rep, make it right again. Just get right back on. Right. Don't yell at yourself. Don't make a mountain out of a molehill. But notice how your environment is set up for you to succeed. So the environment are like train tracks. They're the invisible guides that help to steer the train in the direction you want to go. Mm -hmm. And when your train's off track, take it to your council. So put the bully in the back seat and tape yeah. over its mouth so it, it can't weigh in. Mm -hmm. Have your detective look at the clues and then have your wise guide just give you one or two next steps. Don't overwhelm you, but one or two steps that take you up the mountain. I love that. I love your analogy of the detective. You know, we in, in my community, we call it scouting the defense, you know, love it. Because, because it's like with every with all plans that we normally get, whether it be exercise, training, mindset, those are all offensive game plans. Those are mm -hmm. all things when you have the ball in your hand and you're trying to go downfield to score a touchdown. But when we play the game of life, life plays a professional defense on us. Oh, you yeah. know, it has family obligations. It has schedules. It has mindset shit that's going on, all that stuff. All those things are trying to prevent you from being perfect. And right why Tom Brady was the best quarterback is it's not because he was the best offensive game plan. He knew the defense better than anything right. else. He knew what was coming at him at all times. So as you said, they're like just making that one or two things that you can do, taking a reactive situation and turning mm -hmm. it into a proactive situation, how powerful that is when you can turn something like that. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, I knew this was going to come. I knew this was what I was you know, thinking. And I just, I love that you do that because we don't often spend time being a detective of what we're doing. We're so quick to just jump into a plan and just start right. going down the line of just, I want to get out of this feeling that I have right now. Yeah. And sometimes we, you know, we mistake movement for progress where it's, we're just right. moving towards something versus sit back, look under the hood of the car before you start going on a journey and seeing what do I need to take out of here? How do I maximize this? a bit yeah. more. And that's, I mean, as you said, I mean, this is building a deeper foundation of work rather than just eat 150 grams of protein today. Totally. And I think to your point, awareness and curiosity are underappreciated in the behavior change process. So my, my simplistic way when I was teaching this to my first year students is like, how do I create characters? And I was like, I'm actually going to name them. I'm going to talk about them like they're three separate people or three separate radios. And I'll be like, which radio is blaring in mm -hmm. your brain right now? Oh, is that the bully? You know what? You can actually turn the volume down. And then you have these two resources. One is curious and one is proactive and a problem solver. But it's hard to problem solve if you don't, if you're not aware of the pitfalls you keep falling into. Mm -hmm. So let yeah. your detective survey the scene, gather its notes, yeah. and then hand the notepad over to your wise guide. And he or she or it is going to take excellent care of you. Yeah. Uh, Jen, I'm so pumped yet also so bummed that we've been just flying through this conversation. And I know we've got 
limited time here. So we'll have to go because I want to dive into mindset with you work more too, because I think that's such a deeper rabbit hole to get down. So we'll have to do that as a part two. But you know, for now, like this has been so awesome having you on. I love the work that you're doing. And I really appreciate I really appreciate you taking the time to jump on today. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. I would love to do a part two. Mm And is it okay if I drop a little free gift for any coaches or anyone that's oh, interested please, in nutrition? I was going to say, yeah. I mean, you've got okay. so much good stuff going on. What's the best place that people can dive more into Jen Brocksterman? So my passion is to help coaches get better and elevate their skills. And so as a gift, because I think I am pretty good at these metaphors and games and analogies, I built a masterclass where I just give it away for free. So it's called Prosper Nutrition Liftoff. If you go to prospernutritioncoaching.com slash liftoff, you can sign up. There is a video course, there's games, there's resources you get to keep. And I go into some of those fun coaching metaphors, whether you're a coach or just a human that eats food, I think anyone could benefit. And then three times a year, I offer a certification to train coaches in nutrition and mindset coaching, using a lot of the practices I've created for my private practice. And that's just on prospernutritioncoaching.com. There's more info. And we do a draw every year or every cycle on our wait list. So if you add your name to the wait list for the certification info, one person wins their certification for free. So Boom. yeah, generosity Guys, is just yeah. important part of my important part of my vibe as a love nutrition it. I coach. Love it. Yeah, we'll put that right in the show notes too. So guys, go take advantage of this. You know, Jen is amazing. She's giving you guys some really good stuff. So go dive into it here. Um, and you're also, you're speaking at Inlifted soon, right? In October. I am. I'm so honored that I get to yeah. be one of the keynote speakers on stage. Are you going to be down in Virginia yourself? Uh, I would love to. I October's a bit crazy for me on there. Uh, so if for anything opens up, it would be a fun drive from New York to go down. But yeah. it's uh, if not this one, I'll try and I'll definitely make it to the next one. You get uh, Inlifted has done some really uh, epic stuff. You know, Mark, and, sure. you know, Mark and Kim are amazing. So thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found some great value here. And if you like this episode, please drop a comment and leave us a five-star rating and review. It does more to build the show than you could imagine. And do not forget to check out and join the Strength Connection Facebook group. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. This group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength, and it's the perfect space to explore new ideas and to share your journey. You'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into the physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. So do not wait. Go now. Seriously, go. All right, much love to you. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you on the next one.